Welcome to my podcast. Today we're doing a Bible study. So grab your Bible, grab a pencil and some paper, and let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Grace Recipient. My name is David. I am your host with the most appreciation for what God has done and what he continues to do in my life. And I hope that you can get to a place or that you're already at a place where you can say that for yourself. This is, I believe, the seventh episode or the sixth episode. And I just want to say thank you to all those that have showed interest in this podcast and you have listened to it. It does me good to know that people are interested in this topic. There's a lot of people out there that do not have the knowledge of truth. And I just felt like God was calling me to do something like this, that I can put the word out there in some manner. So I want to do something that I have yet to do. And that is to say that if you are in the Independence, Kansas area and you do not have a church to attend, I would love to invite you to Truth Tabernacle. The address is 1825 North 10th Street. Our Sunday services, um, we have Sunday school and we do run vans and we'll pick kids up around 9.15 in the morning, and we'll give breakfast to the kids. And then Sunday school will be at 11 o'clock. Oh, I'm sorry, it'll be at 10 o'clock to 11, and then 11 o'clock we'll take kids home. 12 o'clock is our service. Um, We'd love to have you out there. We'd love to invite you. um, Tell them David Mann uh, requested your presence. Um, You can be mine and my wife's guest. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock prayer, 7.30 service. If you care to join us on Thursday night for prayer, that starts at 7.15 or 7.30. Yeah, if you want a ride, if you need a ride, uh, if you want a Bible study, feel free to email me, all the letter M at gmail.com. That's grace for all the letter M as in ministry at gmail.com. And we would love to give you a ride. We would love to sit down with you and, and discuss this message of salvation. But getting back to our Bible studies, this will be the second Bible study Um, that I've done uh, since I've done the podcast. Um, The first Bible study, if you would remember, was Believing What You Seek. And I've entitled this one, To Be Born Again is to Be Saved.
Now, the phrase born again is a very common phrase in the religious community. Um, and I, I think that anybody has any church out there, any denomination, any organization may have their their own uh, understanding of what being born again is. And there's many out there that uh, would tell you to raise a hand and, and uh, say a prayer. Or some may have you fill out a piece of paperwork to join their affiliation. Um, you know, I'm not here to knock anybody or anybody's beliefs or I just want to tell you what I believe and I want to, I want to do my best to reach people, but there's much more. There's so much more to being born again than just believing and confessing or signing a, an attendance sheet or anything of that nature. Being born again is a lifestyle. You know, I talked about it in our episode last week about, you know, and I'll, and I'll quote these verses here again in a minute, but being born of flesh, you're flesh. If you're born of the spirit, then you're spirit. So being born again gives you a whole new identity than what you had before you were born again. All right. Now, the nature of man since Adam and Eve has been a sinful nature. It's been full of corruption. It, you know, you don't have to teach a young child to lie. Or you don't have to teach a young child uh, how to take things that they want when nobody's watching. You don't have to teach a young child to to get mad and call people names. And so these are things that are natural to humanity, but to mankind, but you do have to teach a child when they steal something to say, Hey, you know, that's not right. We don't do that. You have to learn them. If if they're going to say words that, that they hear, we have to learn them. Hey, listen, we don't say words like that. We don't have to teach kids how to lie, but we have to tell them and teach them, hey, you can't lie. That's not right. Okay? So I, I'm, I'm just trying to paint a picture of, you, of, of mankind, carnality, and, and the reason why it's important to be born again of the Spirit, and not just be identified as flesh. All right. So to understand the phrase or understand the concept of born again, we need to find the source of where it or originated from. We'll go to the book of John chapter three, and I'll start from the beginning. Verse one, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was also a member of of the Sanhedrin and, and and people looked up to Nicodemus as Nicodemus was was a teacher in the Pharisees and and, and the same and this man Nicodemus verse two the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him Rabbi we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born is flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you that ye must be born again. Now, let me just, before I go on, let me just say this. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Okay, that word must right here. It takes away any concept of, of this being an option. When that word, you must be born again, when that word must was inserted in there, it became a commandment. Hey, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, if you want to be saved, you must be born again. There's no way around it. There's no other option, but you have to be born again. All right, so... When they had this conversation, Jesus said, hey, you must be born again. Nicodemus, who, who's a, a, a leader of the Pharisees, who, who is a very well-known uh, man in the ranks of, of, of law, but he's seen something in Jesus that no other Pharisee saw. And I believe maybe he was looking at some laws and maybe he was reading the the the, the writings of Moses and the and the prophets and, and Isaiah and he seen some parallels between these writings and, and Jesus. And so he said, I've got to meet this man. And so he set up this meeting with Jesus and he came to Jesus by night and he said all he said was listen we know you're a teacher from God because nobody can do the miracles that you're doing except God be with them. And the only response that Jesus had to this comment was, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, here's Nicodemus in all his wisdom. And at the time, if we was living in this time, I, I think I would have the same understanding. Like, what in the world are you talking about? I, I have to go into my mother's womb again and be born again? When I'm, when I'm grown up. But Jesus said, hey, listen, Nicodemus, you're not understanding something. You are flesh. You were born of the flesh. You are flesh. Okay? But if you want to be in the spirit, you have to be born of the spirit. And he tells him, you know, marvel not that I say you must be born again. And then he makes this comment. He said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell where it cometh or whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. There is some truth to being born in the Holy Ghost. There is some truth to receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and being born in it. I, I may not understand it, where it comes from but i know i have it i know it's here let me rephrase that i know where it comes from amen the bible says and i'll get to it later on the bible says that on the day of pentecost when they were in upper uh, in the upper room praying that there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and they were all filled with the holy ghost so i know exactly where the holy ghost comes from the holy ghost comes from heaven all right 
But Jesus is telling Nicodemus, hey, Nicodemus, you hear the sound of the wind. You can feel the wind, but you don't question where it comes from. So why question what I'm telling you now? You know that I come from heaven. You know that I come from God. So why are you questioning what I'm saying? Because in your your finite mind, you're limited to what you can understand. And all you can really understand is what's, what's laid out in front of you. All you can really understand is the writings of the law. You're not looking into the spiritual realm of things. You're not looking into the heavenly thing. And so he said, marvel not, Nicodemus, that I said, you must. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And then Jesus goes on and, and, and pretty much lays out his plan. Let me go ahead and read it. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? This is verse 9, verse 10. Jesus said unto him, aren't you a master of Israel and you don't even know these things? Verily I say unto you, we speak that we of what we do know, and testify of what we've seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So he, Jesus just verified what I said right now. All Nicodemus knows how to do is talk about what he's seen, or talk about what he's read. He can't testify of the things that 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 are from heaven that Jesus is talking about right now. So Jesus goes on and talks about his plan. And he says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now let me talk about this serpent in the wilderness. There was a time... That when when Moses brought the people out of Israel, out of the Egypt and and brought them into the wilderness, there was a time that you know the the Bible calls this the 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 provocation where, where the children of Israel will provoke God. They would they were backbiting Moses. They were they were talking about it. They were accusing God of bringing them into the wilderness and killing them. They were being, they were bitter about the whole situation. And so God said, you know what? Here you go. If you're going to have problems, if you want something to argue about, if you want something to complain about, I'll give you something to complain about. And he put these little vipers. <coughs> Excuse me. He put these little vipers all in the wilderness that when, that these vipers would, would, would bite and, and would, end up killing these people. And then they started complaining about the vipers. So what God told Moses was, Moses, I want you to take some brass and I want you to, to make a serpent. Uh, and I want you to lift it up high in the sky so that when these people get bit by these vipers, they can look up at this serpent and, and they'll be healed. Okay, so essentially, this is what Jesus was saying about himself. As Moses lifted up, at first he's talking about, hey, uh, no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now he's talking about himself, and then he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I be lifted up. 
that whosoever believes in me should not perish. Well, the Bible says him, but he's talking about himself. So, so whosoever believeth in Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Now, John three sixteen, which is the verse that everybody loves, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Jesus, um, I, don't, I know you're from God. I know you're a master or, or, or a rabbi. You do miracles. And Jesus said, hey, Nicodemus, all that you need to be concerned about is being born again. And Nicodemus is like, well, I don't understand. How, am I, how do I be born again? And Jesus said, you don't understand because all you can do is think of, think of what you've seen or heard. You're not understanding the spiritual realm. And then he starts talking about himself. Hey, I'm come from heaven. And just like Moses lifted up the serpent, I'm going to be lifted up. Talking about Calvary. Talking about his crucifixion. Now, I don't know the attitude or the understanding that Nicodemus left that uh, conversation with. I do know after his Jesus' crucifixion um, and burial, I do know that, that Nicodemus had a part in, uh, in receiving the, the body of Jesus Christ. I don't know the, the attitude that Nicodemus left uh, that conversation with. But I do understand one thing. Jesus left us all without question when he said, you must be born again. Now, then he starts talking about uh, his crucifixion, uh, talking about lifting up the serpent, so much the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, when we talk about the crucifixion, now remember at this time, you hear me say that you've you've heard this word a few times in this podcast. Um, when you at, at the time that Jesus and Nicodemus is right here, and the time that Jesus walked on this earth, w w they are living in the dispensation of the law. Now, when Jesus is crucified, and when he was buried, when he rose from the dead, and then ascended into heaven. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Bible said that when the Holy Ghost fell, we entered into another dispensation, which was a dispensation of grace. And this is where the judgment and wrath of God would be stopped and stayed for anybody that would believe on him. Okay? Now remember, this gospel of Jesus Christ, this message of salvation... I want to say this right now. It's not an easy believism. It's not going to be, oh, I believe, therefore I'm saved. There's more to it than that. I'm talking about being born again of water and spirit. Believing is not only trusting, but it's also committing. 
All right. To believe in Jesus is to obey what he says. If you obey what he says, then you should be saved. Now, I, I like to say that faith is is a, a is a call to action. Okay, I like I like to say that faith is an action word because faith produces a reaction. Okay, so if Jesus said, if you want to enter heaven, then you have to be born again of water and spirit. Then that tells me if you believe in what Jesus said, then you would act on what he said. If you want to go to heaven, be born again of water and spirit. Now, you take salvation, you take the 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 crucifixion of Jesus Christ and you cut it up in thirds and you'll have the, you'll have the death of Jesus Christ you'll have his burial and you'll have his resurrection okay so three fractions come through Calvary's cross one you have the death Jesus died for our sins second you have burial Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb all right and third you have his resurrection Jesus was resurrected from the dead now Calvary transitions from the law to grace and gives us the and it gives us the ability to to be saved. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't save us. Grace gives us the ability to be saved. But so let's talk about the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed it in vain. For I delivered unto you of all, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, so let me just, let me just say it like this. Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, declares the gospel. He says, all right, guys, I want you to listen up. This is the gospel. He says, I'm going to deliver unto you first that which I also received. So Paul is not only declaring the gospel to them, but he's saying, hey, this is what I got for myself also. So I'm not giving you something that I haven't already received. I'm not showing you something that I don't already understand. Okay, so then he starts to talking about the gospel when he declares, he said, Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. All right, so let's talk about these three factions again. Death of Jesus, burial of Jesus, resurrection of Jesus. 
Okay, and so I'm going to go to Romans chapter 6 and reading at verse 1 through 4. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of you that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, so right here in the book of Romans, Paul was essentially saying, hey, Jesus set the example for us. When Jesus died on the cross, when he was buried, and when he rose again, he set the example for us so that we can continue in this grace. So we're in the dispensation of grace at the time of Paul saying this because the Holy Ghost had already been poured out. But Paul is telling them, hey, Jesus set the example for us. He died, he was buried, and he rose again for the de for, uh, from the dead. And so he's saying, know ye not that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Wherefore we are buried with him by baptism that like as Christ was raised from the dead, we also should walk in newness of life. So let's break this down. Death. We don't die in real life, okay? Jesus paid the price for us, okay? So what that death essentially means is to, to, to repent and ask God to forgive us and to make a commitment that we're going to follow God. Now remember, we are flesh. We are carnal. We sin. We don't do well from birth. We were not pleasing to God. All right. So what, when I talked about uh, the first issue of, uh, uh, I believe it was the third episode when I talked about, um, you know, if you if you do something wrong, you have to make it right. And then I talked about not having essentially done life right from from the beginning. Okay, so we're wrong. We're all born in sin. We're all shaped in inequity. The Bible says that, that a man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. All right, so essentially to die means we, re, we repent and ask God to forgive us and, and make a commitment that from this point on, we're going to follow God. Now, that first part of that commitment is we have to be baptized in Jesus' name. We have to be buried. So burial, just like Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb, burial means that we're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Okay? So we have sin in our life, and that sin will always be in our life until we have the right medicine that would remit that sin. Or put that sin in remission. Okay? So an, an analogy is this. Sin is like a cancer. Okay? And, and sin and cancer can negatively attack your body. Alright? Now the treatment for this cancer or for this sin is simply Jesus' blood. The blood of Jesus Christ... 
eliminates our sin. The Bible said that Jesus Christ is the propitiation of our sins and the sins of the world. <clears throat> so Jesus Christ has the ability to amend our sin or to do away, expires, expiation, expire our sin, to do away with our sin, to cover our sin, to wash our sin away. So that there's no trace of sin in our life. For when God looks at us, all he sees is the blood of Jesus Christ. So just like Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb, we have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Jesus is the answer and the cure for that sin-like cancer in our bodies. That takes that sin into remission. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none of the name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. Now there's that word must again. We got to understand. When Jesus said you must be born again if you want to make it into heaven. And Jesus says or Paul says. Or the scripture says uh, in Acts 4.12, uh, we must be saved by the name of Jesus Christ. And the only way that the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned in salvation is by being buried again or being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot be saved by any other name. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in his blood. And when you speak the name of Jesus Christ in baptism, you're speaking the blood of Jesus Christ in your life. So that's death, that's burial. Now we have to deal with resurrection. God fills us with his spirit and gives us new life. All right? So in order to resurrect it's like Paul said uh, right here in Romans chapter 6 um, in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of his Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. All right, so we need that resurrection so that we can walk in newness of life. That's receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to read a few verses real quick. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Um, this is going with the, the resurrection um, tirade that I'm on right now. Uh, you got to be uh, walking newness of life. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. So you were already dead. But through the salvation. Through this born again. He quickened you. What does quicken mean? Quicken means made alive. So you were dead in trespasses and sin. But the spirit that you receive. When you receive the Holy Ghost is the spirit of the Father, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he makes you alive. He quickens you. All right. Now, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 
and verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Sounds like newness of life to me. Again, this is all after you receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is this is uh, resurrecting. You got to be born again of water and spirit. You got to have that new birth experience. And the best way to get a new birth experience is to die in your old person and then be resurrected uh, to newness of life. So John chapter 14, verse 15 through 19. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in you, with you and shall be in you. Then he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I live, ye shall live also. So in my Bible, this is red lettered. So when your Bible has red letters, then that means Jesus is talking. Okay? So Jesus makes this statement, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall send you another comforter, that he may abide with you. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world cannot receive truth. The world cannot receive that spirit of truth. Because that world needs to be born again. Now, if that world would repent of their sins and come to a, 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 a labor of water and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, then that spirit of the world can receive truth. But right now, the, the world out there, they're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting Acts 2.38 message. They're rejecting it, especially in the times that we're living in where Christianity is demonized, where people who literally make up in their mind that, hey, I want to be fishers of men. I want to go out in the world and make a difference for the better. I want to teach people about Jesus Christ and save their souls from hell. We're being demonized. We're being looked at as haters. So as long as the world is hating on Christianity and not accepting Christianity, the world are not going to be able to receive this truth. You have to step outside of this world. You have to come out from among them and be separate. You have to depart from wicked. Then he says, I will not leave you. Oh, I love this part. Neither for the world. Okay, I'm going to go back. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. Because he dwells with you and he's going to be in you. Now, when John wrote this, <coughs> he was talking about, or Jesus, he was talking about Jesus promising of the Holy Spirit, promising the Holy Ghost. He hadn't sent it yet because Jesus was still alive. So you got to understand Jesus has to die and then Jesus has to resurrect and then Jesus can return in the spirit. 
Just like us, we have to die, we have to resurrect, and we have to receive the Spirit. But in the future tense, Jesus is saying, the world doesn't know me because they can't see me, but you know me because I'm dwelling with you and I'm going to be in you. Then he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me because I live in you, you shall also live with me. Now let me sidetrack for a moment here. Because Jesus is talking and he's saying, I'm going to pray to my father and my father is going to send you someone else to comfort you. Okay. Now I can see where somebody can look at this and be confused and to ask why somebody like me might say there's only one God. Okay. But you got to understand the context that he was in. Jesus Christ was in the flesh. Jesus Christ will be later ascending back into heaven where he would be spirit again. But then he'll come back as another comforter. Jesus is not going to come back in flesh. He's going to come back in spirit. He's gonna, there's going to be another comforter, even the spirit of truth. So then go on to verse 18. Jesus said, after he said, I'm going to pray to my father and he's going to send somebody else down. He says, I won't leave you comfortless. I'm coming back to you. I am the comforter. I am the Holy Ghost. All right. I just felt like I had to go there. Alright, so going back to Calvary, he died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. Now, before we get to Jesus' crucifixion, I want to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 19. When Jesus was sitting with his disciples, I'll read starting at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus saith unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus be answered him and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now I want you to hear what he tells Peter right here. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shalt be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, Peter was asked the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke out of a revelation that he had. And he told Jesus exactly who he was. And Jesus said, you're right. And on this truth, I'm going to build my church. 
He said, but the revelation that you got was from heaven. He said, Peter, I gave you that revelation. And he said, you're going to take that revelation that I give you and you're going to build my church. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is going to be loose in heaven. And I believe Jesus was going to walk with him on the day of Pentecost when he preached that message of salvation. Now, go back to Calvary. He died, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. Now, during his resurrection... And while he walked on the earth for 40 days, there was a time that he met up with his disciples and they were having dinner. And Jesus had a little conversation with Peter. Now understand, before Jesus was crucified, when, when he was on the verge of being crucified, Jesus told Peter, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. All right? And... And Peter denied him three times, just like Jesus foretold. But I want you to notice here in John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. This is right after they had they had dinner with Jesus by the campfire after Jesus' resurrection. So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yes, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Then he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, and thou knowest that I love you. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. And so after 40 days um, of Jesus walking on this earth, he ascended into heaven. And he told the disciples, he said, Go back to Jerusalem and stay there until you be endued with power. From on high. Meaning the promise of God. Is going to come to them. Now let me read. That exchange. In Acts chapter 1. Um, 1 through 12. The former treaties. Have I made O Theophilus. Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up. After that he through the Holy Ghost. Had given commandment unto the apostles. Whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion for many infallible proof, being seen of him forty days and speaking of them the things that pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now that verse just simply said, after his passion, meaning after his crucifixion, um, and being seen of them for forty days, that's just proof that Jesus was walking after his resurrection for forty days. Um, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. 
Now when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive the power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, and a cloud received them out of his sight. And while they were looking steadfast towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye see him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. So this just talked about the the conversation that Jesus had with their disciples before he ascended into heaven. They they witnessed his ascension into heaven, and then two men came by and said, "Hey." Get on back to Jerusalem. He's coming back. Just get on back to Jerusalem. All right. So at Jerusalem, the disciples went to the upper room, presumably the same room that they had the Last Supper in. And this is what happened here. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance, or as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so here the disciples they followed Jesus' commandment. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem until you and wait for the promise of the Lord, and you'll be endued with power. And the Bible says that and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So here they are in Jerusalem, waiting for the promise of the Father, and then all of a sudden, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, powerful. And everyone that was in that upper room, if you, if you read down a little bit, you'll see that there was 120 people in that upper room praying. And there was 120 people in that upper room that got filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right? So, in this time, the Bible said that this was noised abroad. In Jerusalem. And all of a sudden crowds started forming out there where, where where the disciples were and 120 people were praying and speaking in tongues. All of a sudden there came all kinds of men looking at them, maybe even laughing and mocking them, saying, These guys are drunk, they're full of new wine and all this. And Peter, who was given the authority 
to preach the message, to bind things that needed to be bound and loose things that needed to be bound, he stood up and said, men and brethren, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my hand servants, or on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in the last days of my spirit. And they shall all prophesy. And then Peter goes in to start preaching to these, these onlookers. And of course, this was a, the holiday of, of Pentecost. So Jerusalem was flooded with people at this time. And so there were many, many, many people in Jerusalem that were experiencing the first apostolic Pentecostal message pre being preached. And he basically goes back in history and talks about the promise of God that's coming and, and, and starts confirming certain things that the prophets had said that, were, that had come to pass. And then he makes this statement in Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know it surely that God had made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is where Peter, who had the keys to the kingdom of heaven, makes this statement. This is where he began to loose some things and to bind some things. He said, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For unto you, for the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. I, I like that. Save yourself from this untoward generation. It means come, come out of the world. You know, Jesus said, the world can't receive the spirit of truth because they don't know me and they can't see me. So Peter's saying, hey, come out of this world. Come out of this untoward generation. But notice, Jesus said unto them, that which is born of flesh is flesh. If you want flesh to be no more, Flesh has to die. And I talked about, when I talked about repentance a little bit earlier, I'm not saying you have to physically die. But what I'm saying is you have to tell your spirit or you have to tell your flesh or you have to tell your will, hey, it ain't about me anymore. I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm going to apologize for all the sin that I've ever done in my life. And I'm going to commit to following Christ. That's how you kill the flesh. That's how you crucify the flesh. By repentance. 
and then you're buried in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins and you receive new life when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there you have it. Jesus told Nicodemus you must be born again. Peter explained how it is to be born again of water and spirit. Hey, grace is for 100% of humanity, and you're involved in that percentage. Be a partaker of grace. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. I realize that I may have beliefs that some disagree with. I want to give you all an opportunity to speak to that. So if you want to email me comments, questions, if you want to correct me, then please email me at graceforall, the letter M, at gmail.com. That's grace for all, the letter M, M as in ministry, at gmail.com. And I would love to read everybody's comments to me about this, questions. If you were to email me an audio clip of your comment, question, or critique, there's a good chance that I would play it on another podcast. Feel free uh, to en enlighten me. <clears throat> I don't have all the answers. I do have a God and I do have a Bible. <laughs> Amen. So um, um, if we need to get further um, in detail with studying, I am all for it. Iron sharpeneth iron. I just ask that your comments to me would be respectful and I will be respectful to you as well. God bless. <music>